following sermon was delivered at the 1030 worship service at the United Methodist Church of Kent. Please enjoy. Today's sermon is entitled, Never Give Up, and is a continuation of the Life in Christ sermon series. Let's be for a moment in a spirit of prayer. May the words of my mouth and meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. On June 26, 1998, Cleveland Indians pitcher Bartolo Colon was facing the Houston Astros shortstop Ricky Gutierrez. The count went to three and two. Gutierrez went on to foul off 14 pitches. Cologne hurled one blazing pitch across the plate after another, but each one got fouled off. Gutierrez was in the batter's box for 10 minutes. On pitch number 20, Cologne struck him out. Cleveland went on to win the game 4-2. Cologne's performance was an impressive example of perseverance. Perseverance is a major theme in the New Testament. Paul, for example, talked about pressing on toward the goal of the divine call that we have in Jesus. And in his letter to the Galatians, he said, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. The encouragement to press on and not give up appears quite prominently in the teaching of Jesus. We saw it in the two parables that we heard in our scriptures this morning. In the parable of the friend at midnight, Jesus said, suppose one of you has a friend and you go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread for a friend of mine has arrived and I have nothing to set before him. It is universal human behavior that if someone comes to your house, you wanna be able to offer that person something to eat, something to drink. That desire was greatly heightened in the ancient Near East, where there were no fast food restaurants at which travelers could stop, there were very few inns, and therefore hospitality was one of the highest values in the whole society. If even a stranger came to one's house, the truly good person would offer to that person something to eat, maybe even a place to stay. In one of the stories of Abraham, for example, three strangers show up at Abraham's dwelling place and the scripture says, Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, quick, get three measures of good flour and make some bread. In Jesus' parable, a friend shows up at midnight. Today, a friend who expected to arrive in the middle of the night would give you a call or a text ahead of time so that you could be prepared. But that, of course, was not possible in the ancient world. In the scenario in Jesus' parable, the friend suddenly, unexpectedly arrives and the host has no bread, nothing to offer this weary traveler who obviously has had a very long day. So the host goes over to the neighbor's house, bangs on the door or yells loudly, asking for bread. Obviously, in this case, the value of hospitality trumps the value of letting your neighbor sleep. The host asks the neighbor specifically 
for three loaves. Now, these would have been small, one-person-sized loaves, presumably one for the host, one for the host's wife, one for the guest, so that they could share in a nice fellowship meal together. This may also be an allusion to the story of Abraham, who asked Sarah to get three measures of flour to make bread. We are meant to understand here that the host is not an irksome individual making a ridiculous demand upon the neighbor in the middle of the night. Rather, this is a good person in a jam who is seeking to emulate the hospitality of Abraham. But the neighbor in this scenario would not be pleased about having someone yelling at him to fetch bread at midnight, even if that someone were a friend who lived next door. Jesus continues the story, saying that the neighbor replies, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked. My children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. The implication, however, in the parable is that the host who needs bread does not give up, but keeps on asking until his drowsy neighbor rouses himself out of bed. As Jesus says, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, nevertheless, because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. The second parable has a trajectory very similar to the first. Jesus said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. In that city, there was a widow who kept coming to him saying, grant me justice against my opponent. For a while, he refused. We have here an unjust judge, and thus the parable is generally called the parable of the widow and the unjust judge. There were indeed some judges in the ancient world who were primarily interested not in justice, but in whatever bribes they could collect, and this judge appears to fit that mold. He has no interest in helping a poor widow. She apparently is struggling against someone who is cheating her. The judge refuses to hear her case. But although the widow knows that this judge does not give a hoot about her, she keeps coming and making her appeal. Jesus continues, Later he said to himself, Though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice so that she may not wear me out by her continual coming. In both parables, a person in need seeks help from someone who is not at all interested in providing help. But because the person who is asking perseveres, the request, finally, is granted. A few weeks ago, we considered the parable of the sower and the seed. That parable is an allegory in which each piece represents something. In the parable, the sower represents Christ, or perhaps us when we share in the ministry of Christ. The seed is the word of God. The different soils in the parable represent different ways in which people may respond to God's word. Today's parables, the friend at midnight and the widow and the unjust judge, are not allegories. The host and the widow who are in need may, of course, represent us when we are seeking something or whether when we are, we are asking for something from God in prayer. But the reluctant neighbor in bed and the unjust judge do not represent God. The parables are not suggesting 
that we must badger a reluctant God with our requests until finally, out of exasperation, God grants what we ask. The parables, rather, have a form of, if this, then how much more that? If a neighbor who does not really want to get up out of bed would nevertheless get up to give what is needed, how much more will God, who does desire to help us, most assuredly provide you with what you need? And if an unrighteous judge, who does not care at all about a poor widow, would nevertheless finally grant her request, how much more will God, who is righteous and who does care, most assuredly answer your prayers? As Jesus said at the conclusion of the parable of the unjust judge, listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will vindicate them quickly. But are there not times when we seek help from God and help does not come? Jesus had precisely such circumstances in mind when he told both parables. At the beginning of the parable of the unjust judge, Luke says that Jesus told them a parable to the effect that one ought always to pray and not lose heart. Jesus recognized that sometimes we may indeed be inclined to lose heart in our prayers when we do not seem to be getting any answer. But what he encourages in such circumstances is perseverance. Just as the widow kept asking the judge for justice and the host at midnight kept asking the neighbor for bread, we need to keep coming to God. But if God is not like the reluctant neighbor or the unjust judge, if God wants to help us and to help us quickly, why do we need perseverance in our relationship with God? Here we need to keep in mind two basic truths. First, God's timing is not our own. When we recall that, as Peter said, to God a thousand years are like a day, we recognize that helping us quickly may mean something different to God than it means to us. We need perseverance in order to keep ourselves open to the working of God whenever and however it may come. Secondly, we need to remember that the way God helps us may finally be different from what we were imagining. It is notable that in the parable of the friend at midnight, the host asks for bread and the neighbor provides whatever is needed. In this regard, it may be that part of God's answer involves some change or action on our part. If I pray to God about some conflict between me and another person, maybe part of God's answer is that I become more humble and more forgiving so that God's healing power can fully be at work. If I pray to God that God should help the poor, maybe part of God's answer is that I do more to help the poor, to be an instrument of God's mercy. And over everything, it is good to keep in mind the perspective of Jesus, who in the midst of his prayers said above all to his heavenly Father, thy will be done. Indeed, the petition, thy will be done, is at the heart of the Lord's prayer, which Jesus taught to his disciples right before telling the parable of the friend at midnight. The point of prayer is not finally to get God to do our bidding. 
it is to bring ourselves in line with all the good that God is seeking to do in and through our lives. The reason, therefore, that we persist in faith and prayer is so that we become receptive to how and when God would work in us. The 19th century Danish theologian Soren Kierkegaard put it this way, the true relation in prayer is not when God hears what is prayed for, but when the person praying continues to pray until he is the one who hears, who hears what God wills. Jesus concluded the parable of the unjust judge by saying, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? For Jesus, the question is not finally, will God answer your prayers? Jesus teaches that, of course, God answers prayer. The real question is whether people will, in fact, come to God in persistent trust, looking to God with receptive expectation for how God would be at work in their lives. Whenever, therefore, we are facing a great challenge and we're looking to God for help, Jesus encourages us to persevere never to lose heart, but to keep ourselves open to what God will do. The theme of perseverance is also of great importance, not only in our personal walk with God, but in our efforts to live out what God is calling us to do in the world at large. In recent weeks, our attention has been turned anew to the problem of violence in our society. So far this year, Mass shootings in America are on a pace to exceed last year's record total. There have been 27 school shootings so far this year. There have been more than 200 mass shootings in America so far this year. Notably, our society is an extreme outlier when compared to other developed cultures countries around the world. The percentage of people in America killed by gun violence each year is nearly 100 times the number, the percentage, killed in gun violence in the UK, for example. No wonder our English families like to go to Britain for extended holidays. For years, Christians in America have advocated for change. This past Wednesday, United Methodists held a walk for our lives in Akron as a part of that advocacy. Members of our church were a part of that march. On the screen, you see a photo of Sally Dean, Judith Nettle, Laurel Stiller, and Karen Bennett, along with Bishop Tracy Malone in the center. But these kinds of protest actions have been going on for years, and even in the aftermath of the most horrendous school shootings we never seem to make real progress. Things keep getting worse. What are we to do? Persevere. As Paul said in his letter to the Romans, never flag in zeal, stay aglow with the spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Real change in the face of social evil often takes a long time, and that is where perseverance comes in, that we never give up, but keep seeking God's purposes, keep speaking out for God's values, that God's will would be done to create the sort of society that God intends for us.
There's another parable that Jesus told that relates to this theme, the parable of the faithful servant, which is found in a similar form in the Gospels of both uh, Matthew and Luke. Jesus said, who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has put in charge of his household to give the other servants their allowance of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom the master will find at work when he arrives. Truly, I tell you, he will put that one in charge of all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect, and at an hour he does not know, he will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. The servant in this parable has been entrusted with taking proper care of the master's household. That means especially providing for the needs of fellow servants. It is a poignant image for how we all have been entrusted by God with caring for this world and especially caring for one another. But what if the servant says, my master is nowhere to be seen and is not going to be showing up, and the servant starts to brutalize others and to live in wickedness? That is a picture for how many people, in fact, are living in today's world, imagining that God is absent and imagining, therefore, that they are free to exploit and cruelly oppress others. We are seeing this kind of brutality today to an extreme degree in Ukraine, but we also see many ways in which people are living as though they will never be accountable to God. But in the end, in the parable, the master returns, and there is a reckoning. The point in the parable is that we need to stay focused on our calling. If God does not seem to be present, if God does not seem to be working among us, we need, nevertheless, to persist in our faithfulness and to keep on doing good. As Jesus said, blessed is the servant whom the master finds at work when he comes. There are many times in our lives or in the world at large when we confront circumstances that could move us to lose heart. But we need to remember that God is on the throne in the universe. God is at work. God's righteousness and good's purposes will ultimately unfold. So we can persevere in faith, using our trials as an occasion, as James said, for persevering further in spiritual growth. And that we then can live out the admonitions of Paul. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up never flag in zeal, stay aglow with the Spirit, serve the Lord. Let us pray. Lord, in the midst of many circumstances in our lives and in our world that could move us to give up, to lose hope, inspire us to catch the vision of how you are yet at work, even in ways that we cannot yet see. Move us, Lord, to trust in you, to open our lives today how your spirit would work within us, inspiring us, guiding us, strengthening us, leading us, Lord, to be able to grow as your people, to share, and how you truly would work in and through us. We thank you, Lord, for Jesus' words of encouragement for this calling afresh that, that we might continue on in faith, that we might continue to grow in you, knowing, Lord, that your goodness 
and your promises surely unfold. We thank you, Lord, for how you draw us together in the life of your church, for how we can grow together and we can continue to reach out together into the world at large. We pray for your spirit to be moving afresh among us today. We pray for people at many points in life for whom the call to persevere is a very uh, ready message. We pray for our children as they would grow in faith this, this week in vacation Bible school, or that you would guide them to continue uh, throughout their lives to grow as, as your children to be a part of the promises of your kingdom. We pray for our graduates this morning for whom the call to persevere is very real as some of the challenges of college life may face, but Lord, we pray that you would guide each one of them to continue on, to grow in new ways, to hear your calling for their lives, to press on through whatever challenges may come, to know, Lord, that you have a wonderful future for them, and to help them, Lord, to grasp your calling for their own life, that they may grow as your disciples and, and, and share in, in the purposes that can unfold in them. We pray for our mountaintop mission team as they go to Grundy County, Tennessee, to work on the mountain, facing challenges there. We pray, Lord, that again, that spirit of perseverance will be at work in them as, as they face the challenges of their coming week in ministry. We pray, Lord, for our church at large, for the challenges we face today. We do lift up our fellow United Mothers at the, the West Lebanon United Mothers Church and pray, Lord, that you would guide us in, in, as we reach out into the world, a troubled world. Lord, we thank you for the work of our annual conference, the meeting of which just concluded yesterday. Praying you would inspire us as we seek afresh to, to realize your purposes in our time. And we do reach out to persons who are in a typical, in particular times of challenge, remembering those who are sick or dealing with surgeries and lift up especially today, Jessica Bennett and Cindy Vaughn, praying for your healing and strengthening power, O oh Lord. In the face of each of life's challenges, we give thanks, O oh God, that your spirit enables us to persevere, to keep trusting, to keep open to you, guide us as we continue our journey in faith and as we lift the Lord to you, the praise. In the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this edition of the United Methodist Church of Kent Sermon Podcast. For more information about the church, visit www.kentmethodist.org.